This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 8th of December. And as always, I'm joined today by my never disagreeing, completely agreeing with all of my thoughts and opinions, Dave. Hi, Dave. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> so wrong. So very, very, very wrong. But actually, not, not entirely wrong. Ah. Just mostly wrong. I'm right about <laughs> having you telling me I'm wrong. That's it, right? Yeah, I think that's definitely right, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's head into this first article and start <clears throat> agreeing with each other, shall we? Let's let's start a a full and and wonderful discussion about all things OpenStack. You know, we're one episode away from our five year anniversary, which is half the life of the OpenStack project. <laughs> um, and you could argue that maybe we're a similar levels of success. Oh, that's probably a bit harsh, but I think we're better than OpenStack. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have a, I have a, um, a long history with OpenStack. I was, um, I was at Canonical uh, during the time when OpenStack was essentially born as a an open project. You know, it started with, um, do, you know. Rackspace and NASA kind of donating the code. And from that point onwards, it was that the promise was it was going to be the next open sort of cloud infrastructure that everybody and anybody could um, go and deploy. And, you know, you no longer needed to, to sort of rely on public cloud providers for all those people that had those security concerns or privacy concerns or whatever else it might have been you know this was the this was the option for them that that could have uh, changed their lives and we certainly at the time when i was at canonical had a, a fairly large amount of success primarily with telcos um and um very very large service providers who all you know, went down this journey wholeheartedly. Now, that was at the, I would say, relatively early stages of, of OpenStack. Um, you know, I was I was sort of dealing with um, HP and Cisco and um, NTT and AT&T and sort of the, you know, Telefonica. Like, these were all organizations that were, looking to to get onto the the OpenStack um, bandwagon and start building their own services. This was a, a time when, sort of unsurprisingly, um, these sorts of organizations were very concerned about, you know, the public cloud providers um, sort of eating all of their lunch. So this was sort of early, I suppose it started around early... 2011 and I was there until what end of uh, no middle of 2014 so this was very much during the sort of the rise and rise of of OpenStack and we saw like the OpenStack conferences go from you know a, a few hundred people to well over 10,000 people I think at the at the peak but you know all good things must come to an end and you could argue that uh, OpenStack hasn't ended, but it, I mean, the, the title I think is, 
is possibly a bit cruel, but it's also pretty accurate mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, a failure on its own terms and success in its own niche. Uh, it's sort of OpenStack really um, failed again in, in from from my perspective in two major areas. One is you because it was so incredibly hot and so incredibly um, popular at that point in time, you ended up with a whole uh, load of vendors trying to sort of get in there and manipulate it so that they they could have their open stack story. We saw, um, you know, VMware bought Nicira back in the day. Nicira themselves still very inf- um, influential technology in the NFV space. And, you know, many other organizations um, that, you know, may have been considered more legacy organizations at the time, really put all of their time and effort into making sure they were relevant to the the world of OpenStack. And it it lost, to me at least, the project seemed to lose its way. It sort of seemed, it it diverged into a bit of a vendor fest. It, it mm-hmm. sort of disappeared into sort of... Uh, uh, a mess of different uh, vendors' views of OpenStack, and you you ended up seeing something that was kind of no longer true to the original visions of OpenStack. In again, all in in my opinion. So it's it sort of it's been a it's been a weird journey, and of course Kubernetes started to come into prominence and showed, hey, you know, you don't actually need all of this huge complexity, you know, how many organizations really, really need to operate at the scale of a public cloud provider, which is what OpenStack was promising and does deliver. And of course, the answer is not very many. Um, Lots of organizations need scale and scalability, 100%. But most of them can actually satisfy their needs and requirements with Kubernetes. They don't need the additional um, scale that um, OpenStack you know, delivers for them. And it's sort of the, the combination of the, the vendor fest losing its way and Kubernetes providing a much, much simpler route to, uh, to getting to this it just meant that for a lot of people, OpenStack faded away you know, very, very quickly. I was never a fan of OpenStack, and the first thing I had an issue with was their their hype cycle, the way they went to market. And the way I felt it then was that they came with a product that wasn't being sold on what it could do, but sold on what it could prevent. You don't want to be dependent on the cloud providers, go OpenStack. You don't want to be the vendor locked in, go OpenStack. It was always that way. So basically, they had to, in my opinion, figure mm-hmm. out a, mar- a space in the market to deploy their stuff, always showing because that is bad and we are not that. Okay, but what are you then? And that was the second thing. What was OpenStack? There were so many things in there, so many nuts and bolts and yeah. semi-projects and so fragmented. To deploy this thing was an enterprise. It was not easy. You needed a whole team of people yeah. to make, keep, to install it, deploy it, keep it running, maintaining it, keeping it all up to date, doing a lot of glue work manually. 
I spent yep. uh, about four years, I think, when it came out before I could actually say goodbye to the environment where I was, uh, where people were trying to make me work with it. <laughs> I always refused. <laughs> but in those four years, I there was never a moment that the product was finished. There was always one of the projects that had oh God, the no. next version. Oh, that's the beta. And you kind of need that because, and it was such a hard thing to work with. And I can imagine yeah. that, uh, as the article says, in China, it was a success because in China, labor is cheap. That's basically how the whole economy is working. It's less today than it was 10 years ago, but it's still pretty much true, I think. You can it's, put a lot of hard bodies not, there. So it's not just that. I think what the article does touch on this. Um, the, 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 the thing with... So the thing that they seem to miss here which I think is a miss. Uh, I, I haven't, I didn't see it when I skipped through, but they, they talk about the fact that today option uh, adoption outside of telcos and China um, is, has not sort of, uh, has not been maintained. I think the other area though was India uh, where I think mm. there's still a very significant open stack, but it's, uh, I believe kind of that the, well, so not entirely. So you're you're right in that labor is cheap and that they can. There is a um, there is a view that it's fine. We'll just throw more bodies at it until it's fixed. But there's also the they do have the challenge of scale there. They have the the need to run things at the similar sort of scale as a public cloud provider, um, just because they have so many people for these kind of services. Yeah. So. But less today than 10 years ago, because the public clouds have also grown in those parts of the world. I mean, 10 years ago, there was no Amazon or Azure in India. Now there is. Well, now there is, but it's still uh, both Azure, um, AWS, uh, GCP in uh, China and India are still um, not very prevalent. China has Alibaba and Tencent. Exactly, and so you've got you've got they're those big, providers, huge. but you've which are which are huge, but they you've also got again the the telcos that are doing their own thing. They're not using a lot of the um, public cloud infrastructure. Yeah. But telcos uh, traditionally also so, were the people that had the data centers and were renting out the server space as well. So that was kind of the their business exactly. Yeah. So that would make sense for those few, perhaps. But then my issue is with the complexity of OpenStack. There's a lot of things you can do that are a yep. lot easier to deploy, even if you want to have a kind of a cloud as a service kind of thing. Because four years ago, when I was working with in this with these kind of tools, there was a thing called Open Nebula. I checked before the uh, we started mm. recording; it still exists, still going strong, especially in telcos. So they have the same mm -hmm. niche problem, but yep. the difference is that that's one thing you deploy, and you have a cloud. And you can put KVM or Xen or whatever you want to uh, hyperfeed. I don't think so. But still, you have a lot of freedom still. It's still flexible, but it's a lot more self-contained. And even for a telco, to keep it manageable, to keep the, the SLAs and the KPIs and all the other acronyms in check, simple is good. And OpenStack was more of a, look how cool we can make something. And from a developer hobby project point of view that would have been good but that was not their market they needed to have that mass appeal to get that 
I mean, if they had a vision of having a distributed cloud, for instance, like we do SETI at home and uh, folding at home and things like that, where everybody could just have a little piece of their PC in the great open source cloud all knitted together with OpenStack, that would have been great. Still a hobby project, but still that would have been great. But that wasn't what I could do either. It still was a monolith you had to deploy on-prem, you had to buy a hardware. And public cloud just has gone on on, on, on a rampage. They've, they've, they've succeeded. You can say good or bad, not giving a value yeah. assessment here, but they've pretty much won this round. And for my yeah. money, give me, if it has to be VMware, if, if you're a bit more intelligent, go with a self-deployed KVM, even containering, or today, as you mentioned, Kubernetes and that kind of microservice platforms, a lot less complicated. And I would actually dare to say more functionality as well. Uh, yeah, probably. I I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I I don't know what the the current state of OpenStack is. I I stopped um, following it very very closely back in yeah to sort of mid two thousand and fourteen. And it, it's it's one of those things that I've kept a, an eye on every now and again since, just because I spent such a significant portion of time with it. And it's an open nebula. I remember very well. Um, but again, it was one of these things that, um, again, at, at the time, uh, Open Nebula was was one of these things that, as you say, your out of the box experience was fantastic, but it only covered, you know, sixty percent, say, yeah. of the Eight. functionality. No, it was it was nowhere near that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was no object storage. There was no. Um, there was. No, that but that wasn't within Open Nebula at the time. That was very easy to connect up, and that was a bonus. I think a bonus of it. It was easy to connect with external things. While the Open Stack guys, it all had to be in the big umbrella of things, which made it harder. But but no, again, Seth was Seth was also. But anyway, there was there was no data processing. There was no bare metal support. There was no key management. There was no DNS. Um, so it was yeah, it was not a it was not a <laughs> it was not an equivalent. I would say at the time. Fortunately, now again, it gave you it gave you a very different experience. It gave you that fast out of the box, and you've got great. You've got cloud infrastructure, infrastructure as a service, ready to go. Whereas, fully agree, OpenStack was a giant nightmare, and mm -hmm. honestly, that's why organizations you know, like Canonical did very well out of uh, out of building. You know, those environments for organizations that wanted that uh, that level of customization but it's as as we fast forward to to where we are today i think it's sort of it has largely faded into irrelevance for a lot of organizations yeah. for me i think when rackspace stopped working it because rackspace kind of went to market with their open stack appliance let's call it and they mm. i think also 2015 ish around that time they kind of dropped OpenStack. For me, that's when I stopped looking at it because if there's a, if a company like Rackspace, which is was a pretty, a pretty, pretty much still is a pretty big company, had put their whole future on this product and then decides to reinvent themselves, yeah, and that's kind of telling, I think. Yeah, and I think uh, the in fact the, even the article talks about the fact that so HP like killed off their their cloud that was based on 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 it back in 2015, their Helion cloud, and then Cisco's um, 
offering was closed down in 2017, uh, which was called InterCloud. Um, so that just lasted three years. Yeah, so it, it, it was... I don't think it, it was lasted. one of these. It was a giving up after three years. I think. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I and have, again, I have, I still have very fond memories of my time yeah. working in that space. Um, I, just, I do want to say that this is my opinion, right? If you've been working in yeah, with OpenStack and, and you like OpenStack, more power to you. You're smarter than I am. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> so no problem there. Technology is never bad. This is typically just my opinion, how I lived through that piece of my life. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's just quickly touch on technology that's bad because... <laughs> One of the things that is very briefly mentioned in this article is um, OpenStack is simply not is simply not the simplest. Great language there, register. <laughs> simply not the simplest way to build a private cloud. Fully agree. Hyperconverged infrastructure with either VMware or Nutanix under the hood has arguably earned that crown. I have to say that I I still see. Nutanix popping up every now and again. Yeah. And it's hot. like every person that I have, um, that I'm aware of or that I've talked to who has spent any sensible amount of time with it has nothing but bad things to say. Um, and I, I, I think they, they seem to have a very, a very smooth sales cycle. I think they, yeah. I think it promises a lot, but, I think the like living with Nutanix seems to be really painful from what I can from what I've gathered and what I've heard over the years. Yeah, for me, hyperconverged architectures. I'm not going to mention any brand names because I'm I'm a friend to everybody, but they're <laughs> particularly good for the financial buyer, for the accountant, because it's very easy yeah. to they're building blocks and blah blah blah. I can discounting and it's very easy on the financial sheets. And yeah. technology, yeah. I mean, it works. I mean, you've got CPUs and memory and disks, and you can put that, put stuff on there. But the whole yep. uh, marketing spiel on how it is the most optimal use of your budget, I have question marks around that, definitely. And there will be situations where it's ideal for it. There are there definitely, everything has its ideal mm. niche. But uh, just like OpenStack's niche was kind of small in the end, I yep. do believe that hyperconverged is also kind of small, but it's definitely not dead because a lot of the other vendors are now also pushing. I mean, I've been talking to a couple of hardware vendors, again, not naming any brands here, who yep. have brand new hyperconverged architectural things. Now, they're not a copy paste of the Nutanix approach. They have more freedom, more flexibility, which is mm -hmm. a good thing. Because that's the one thing I think that the first generation uh, hyperconverged architectures had. It was very strict. These are the building blocks. Yeah. You will use this and nothing else. And you want to have this little thing? No, this. They're going away from that. So maybe it'll become more flexible and flexible enough in the future. But uh, yeah, hyperconverged would not be my first choice. So let's. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 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 So we're running long, um, yes. as as is often the case, but we will just give a, a quick nod and a link in the show notes uh, to the updated 2020 data and AI landscape. Um, for those that have been with us for a while, they will recognize the amazing work of uh, Matt Turk, 
who uh, produces these things on a, on a semi-regular basis. Uh, there's an article that has links to some of his thoughts on what's changed during this space. We could probably do a dedicated uh, episode on this, and then maybe we will in the future. Counting the meantime, the if you just want to see how everything all fits together, here you go. I remember a time when this, sli- this I'm going to call it a slide, was actually readable. You could, you could even discern yeah. the logos. Well, now it's just a blob of... I mean, I'm wearing glasses. Now it should be better. <laughs> it it used to look... You can see that in the top left, you've got that, like that sort of mustardy colored block, and then you've got a red block kind of next to it. I'm sure it used to be not quite as large as all of that it used to be something put together. like this. <laughs> well, no, no, probably like the the first the first top three rows of both of those blocks, like something of around that sort of size, is what it used to like look like, and now it's it's just ginormous, which is awesome and scary yes. at the same time. Yes, it's <laughs> scarily awesome and awesomely scary. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, speak, finishing off with awesomely scary, unless there's anything else from you. Um, Halloween has passed. I'm sorry. Okay, fair enough. Well, no candy for you then, just uh, mm. just tricks. And with that, that is all the time we have today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We're on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, make me happy. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about this podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until then, my name is still fond memories of OpenStack Dave. And my name is, I'm so happy I never gave in, Jon. <laughs> <sighs> and we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.